Okay, guys, welcome to another Funky Marketing Show. This is what was supposed to go first, then the intro, but like I'm not in my best shape, obviously, uh, because of some allergies and other stuff. But today uh, I have a great guest, uh, somebody that uh, I've been following for a long time and one of those, those guys that we can say are the new guys, young guys that are changing the industry. Uh, we're going to have... Uh, Vukashi Mukosarevic here with us. You probably know him from Lemlist. Now he's off to, uh, to the new challenges. We're going to talk about how to find creative ways to grow profitable businesses. So uh, join me in welcoming uh, Vuk to the show. Hey, hey, thanks. Thanks for the great intro. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the, for the invite. Yeah, first of all, uh, how are you, my man? What's going on? We had a slight chat, but it was all about me. Now let's hear what's going on with you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I think uh, whenever this uh, summer and spring, like it's good for me that uh, I don't have any allergy issues, so I can be a bit more chill for the new at, at this point of time. But uh, whenever this starts, I feel like uh, my laptop is uh, like a guitar and you just take it wherever you want to go and, and work. I know it's like a lame poet thing, but it's been great. I think uh, moving to another challenge, I'm, I'm uh, connecting, the new, connecting the dots uh, piece by piece and getting ready to execute. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, exactly, I, I guess like I'm living the moment that I want to be living right now. And uh, I'm just taking it one step at a time, brick by brick. Yeah, I love that. I love it. I feel, I feel like you, you like, younger generation just kind of like miss that part that uh we had like 10 years of uh of civil wars here in serbia that basically mm -hmm. we couldn't travel we couldn't connect with with people we didn't have internet at the time and like basically that's what i go into the youth work to kind of give the opportunity to youngsters that are coming uh after me to travel and get to know people and do it and it was actually hard at the time to convince them like you can really travel for free. You can get to know the world and everything. But, you know, luckily we are now in, the, in a different space and it's uh, easier than ever to connect with, with other people. Yeah, true that. I think uh, anything you, you, you want to do, I think you have the resources. Not saying it's easy. It's still hard. Uh, but all good things should be. But you have the logistics that don't sound that complex. Like it just your one message, one move, one idea away from making it happen, I guess. I mean, and ultimately you just, like Gary Vee has this wonderful sentence, you know, you get only to play this game once. So mm -hmm. why not play it the way you like? Yeah, I, I love that because uh, like one of my favorite songs is uh, Once from uh, Liam Gallagher. And okay. <laughs> it's the same thing, like you only get to do it, uh, you know, it's kind of the thing he he messed it up and now he wants to do it again but you know reality is you only get to do it once but uh you know i think that today you have more than one opportunity to do things maybe not on the same level maybe in the, not the same industry in the same realm but you definitely mm -hmm. have more than one chance because like agency owners getting completely new teams every year proves that true. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah yeah I, I think we come to the position you know a um, couple of years ago the devs had the ultimate power like everybody wanted developers uh they could literally pick anything they wanted to do honestly 
And I feel like now it's switching towards creators, let's say like managers, people who either do marketing, sales, or even customer support and things, but they do it on a managerial level. I think there's so much opportunity. There's so many uh, good companies. Okay, there's like a good and bad companies. You have to figure out which is which, but uh, the demand side is, is just wonderful. I think you, it's it, it, like I had totally different uh, vision of what marketing would look like when I was at university. And, uh, you know, if I go back to VOOC 10 years ago, it's a completely different conversation. And I like that. I really like because it gives you, like we said, a lot of um, a lot of cool like journeys and adventures to have. Um, and you get to pick like uh, what project you want to join. Uh, obviously, they have to pick you as well, but uh, you have the demand side at least on, on your on your site. I think today today you have the power, no matter if you are like a potential employee of the company or you're the customer, you have the power and it's two-way communications. Back in the mm. days, it was just one way, like they tell you on the TV, buy this stuff and you don't have a choice, like you need to buy it. Sure. And sure today, that. like if there's a shitty product, you can actually go on social media and tell them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's not even get into if it's a shitty company, there it's you know, a completely different level. Yeah, it's good. It's it's like, it's like money, you know, I, I guess there's, uh, I'm of the opinion that when you start earning money in your life, money doesn't really change you. It more like exposes exactly who you are. And I think it's the same case here, like social media. One of the biggest benefits of it is the fact that it's going to expose everybody like a yes man of a manager, a micromanager of a boss, a toxic culture in a company sooner or later like you can't get 100 percent transparency obviously but uh, a lot of things you can figure out and uh, i really really like that aspect of social media yeah i agree and i like it and i see it especially you know like we're living in serbia like small country and you can see that not many people haven't been haven't been traveling and bec- and they spend their whole lives in the same environment and now when the social media is here you know you can see who they really are but they don't understand it they don't think of themselves as, uh, you know, as those people because everybody around them are the same. And, and you know, yeah. and, and I see that also in a, in a marketing, is in a business space where, like, the only people that you get to see in the local marketing groups are the same people that are, you know, doing stuff up to the sum level. But yeah. you need to step out of that zone to actually see the bigger picture, see how other people are doing things, developing and, you know, is, is that what helped you? Because, you know, you started as everybody, but like mm-hmm. you, uh, you found your own way. Yeah, I, I guess what I, I mean, I had the ultimate pleasure of the first experience I had in marketing was the agency experience. And my first boss was a great, loyal, trusting boss. So nobody had the chance to break me when I was Mm -hmm. a kid, you know, even though I I still am a bit arrogant to say that you can't break me that way because of the great parents and everything I had as a kid. But to have that kind of a boss uh, who explained that, you know, uh, work shouldn't be comfortable. It should be uncomfortable that Mm -hmm. then you're not in your comfort zone. So whenever I'm giving you feedback that something is shit or not good or whatever word I use, if I do it, in a constructive way, which is not offending you, but more like showing you that, hey, 
you know, you need to apply yourself a bit more here. You Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? I feel this has instilled in me this feedback culture of and, and this, this vibe of if you're using the same strategy over and over and over again, you stay in the same spot. And even though it sounds like a cliche, it's, it's really, really true in marketing. The things are dynamic. They change all the time. You can't just copy paste stuff. And um, I guess this this feeling of uh, let's just let's let's jump into the pool and see if we can swim or we're gonna mm-hmm. suffocate. Let's see what happens. Like and that curiosity uh, and you know never giving up and, and everything that comes after that. I feel this is super super um, important for marketing apart from you know curiosity or work ethic and and everything. Uh, but but yeah, um, this is this is the way I see it. And uh, like I said, I think having good environment so far in the companies I've, I used to work with has helped, I guess, speed that up and uh, get me to the point where I am today. Yeah. And I think it affects a lot the way, the way you now manage people and the way you look at the leadership, the management and the yeah. way you structure the teams. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, it's, uh, you know, 51% of, of everything, at least the way I see it, it's your own, uh, like uh, you're accountable for it. But then this other half, uh, including what you just said, I think it's it's super, super cool. You know, uh, I can tell you like one one additional thing from from my boss, like uh, the first boss that I mentioned. Uh, I was leaving the agency to join a startup, and a few days before I left, uh, completely improvising, I brought a client from Switzerland. Like I was a marketer, but uh, I just you know some weird actions happened, and I brought a client, and I said, okay. It's a great client and they used to work for a year together and Goran rings me like uh, seven or eight months after that. And he says, Hey, I have a bonus ready. And I go, what bonus? Like, <laughs> you, you remember that client? We developed a relationship. I think it's only fair. You brought them. I never forgot that. And uh, it's time for me to show you that we appreciate your extra effort in that. So I was like, okay, that's loyalty. Like if your boss treats you like this and then you also have other people, you know, like the Carlo Ancelotti's, Mourinho's of the world and every, everything yeah. you kind of like respond, you just take good examples of good leadership. Like leadership is a mix of kindness and uh, toughness, I guess. Being tough when you need to be tough, but overall being kind because it's employee first, then your customer. Yeah. Agree, or better say agree. colleague first, not employee first. Yeah, yeah. Employees are, you know, like I used to say like, team members or something like that. I, I mean, or, I consider myself employee in any case, but uh, obviously like it's that calling vibe <laughs> that you have, like even though if you're my boss or I'm your boss or we're just on the same level, that type of relationship, you can never call it family family because it's not mm-hmm. your own family, but it can be one step below. It still have some good aspects of that family vibe that, hey, it's okay to make a mistake. Like I'm not going to be a professor like immediate after you make him sick, you see, like you should have done this. Like I think for 30% of successes I have, there's 70% of failures. Just what I'm most interested in how, is how you react after you make a mistake. Are you, mm-hmm. you know, looking for the reasons why it failed or are you trying to figure out what can I do so that I don't repeat that mistake next time or asking questions and going back to that feeling of being uncomfortable. So those are some of the things I think at the macro level are key for a, for a team leader to clearly explain stuff, uh, to bring people who share the passion and uh, the work ethic and curiosity and then support them. Leadership is support. 
and team leading a team needs support and uh, mixing this kindness with uh, toughness is uh, is what I'm trying to do and you never master it really you just keep yeah. learning keep learning until unfortunately one day you die or at least retire <laughs> yeah, that's well said I don't think we're going after retirement but we'll see uh, but we, we just get into the new roles which are more suited to our to our future years let's let's call it like that we're still too young to think about that but that's mm. that's how it goes so, yeah but I know I know I know one uh, one guy I think he's um, uh, my my good my really good friend uh, uh-huh. kind of knows him and he mentioned that 40, he was 44 45 something like that and he sold his company uh, from some special amount and he said okay I worked my uh, butt off like to make this happen like I, I gave this company and logo everything it's time for me to enjoy some offline and he put like a cover images on all his social like i'm in my well-deserved offline disappeared from social disappeared for like five years and she just traveled you know meet different people culture like he didn't do anything and he didn't spend some you know he didn't stay in bruce wayne manners and drove mm-hmm. ferraris and things like that he just wanted to chill spend some time with his girlfriend he didn't um, he doesn't have kids so it was like two of them just traveling and enjoying and uh, taking a, a bit time off so retirement comes in many forms is what i'm trying to say it could be you know you never know yeah it can be just change of career or disappearing exactly. from social media exactly yeah I, I agree i agree and usually when you do that then new ideas comes to life and you you can even change yourself completely so as long as you're knows. honest, honest, honest to yourself, like what I really want to do and do I have passion for it? And then amazing stuff happens, I guess. So when you're happy, happy has to be the ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually content. I like content more because like happiness is just something that you feel at the moment. But mm-hmm. if you are content all the time and just happy from time to time, that's perfect. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, uh, let me drop you a question. That's how we name actually the episode. So how to find creative ways to grow profitable business? Like this is what you do. This is what you say <laughs> you do. So where do we start answering that question? Yeah, I, I think it starts in a not so creative, I mean, not creative, but not so in innovative way. I think first and foremost, after you find something you really want to work for, you have to understand it. Like you have to understand mm-hmm. What's the industry? What's the what's the audience? Who are you going to be talking to? How are you going to do market positioning? Uh, what's the language examples, analogies you can leverage in your communication that will help people relate? So you have to be like a Sherlock Holmes in this phase one uh, to get to that creative uh, piece of the story. Then as the second component is you have to have something of a differentiator within your product, service, something. It doesn't have to be anything revolutionary. You can do things in a simpler way. And differentiation comes in a product, in a service, in a blog article, in a video. There has to be something that makes you different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, I think there's like, a, I was once part of a, a business incubator of some sort in Palo Alto when I was uh, a bit in the United States. And uh, they've showed this graph that never left my brain, which is if you copy everything from scratch, your people are gonna you're gonna position yourself as a copycat and they're not gonna like you they might be with you because you're more affordable but that's more or less it 
that's far left. On the far right, you have the absolute innovators. People respect you because you're brave to innovate, but they might not follow, you know, like if you build something super AI in today's world, you might be a few steps too fast before the yeah. market is ready. And so the ideal spot is in the middle when you say, hey, those two, three things are not being done in the right way. And then you produce something uh, that, you know, people like, yeah, this is it. This is exactly what it, so I think what I'm trying to say is you can't sell the unsellable if you want to be, I guess, in growth marketing or sales. So good research, understanding, uh, your positioning and, and what you bring to the market and then focusing on those things is the step, I guess the step number one, step number two. And then later on you, you figure out a way, great. Now we have differentiators. We understand who's our audience what do we do? Like we have this amount of resources, we have this amount of people, uh, we can do certain things, we can't, can't do everything. And so you have to figure out what are the most creative or at least most, um, the, the, I guess the project that have the, the most potential that you should focus on. So for instance, you know, at, at Limelist, it was uh, Guillaume and me, I was the first employee of Limelist. So Guillaume and me were the, on the business side and two tech co-founders were on the Dev side. And so we couldn't do YouTube blog back then. We couldn't do, even though we wanted to do it, we couldn't go on Twitter. We couldn't run every single experiment. So you have to prioritize. And the way to prioritize is, I guess you have to understand um, how do we play to win? Like, what do we need to do to accomplish certain goals and what battle helps us win the war? So we're just going to fight the battles that help win the war. And we're not going to fight battles that, you know, might not push the edge. And this is the tough side of, of marketing, I guess. Anticipating, figuring it out, being a few steps ahead. It's never perfect. Sometimes you make a mistake. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's faster than you thought. Sometimes it's slower than you thought, but you have to prioritize and then you have to allocate resources to it. And once you allocate it, then it's just pure execution and not being uh, too, I guess, you, you don't froze when something is not going well, you just analyze, okay. Is this going the way we want? Uh, you stick with the, you know, the tasks and commitments that you wanted to do. And you always go back to your scoreboard. Is the task that we're doing today, will this push the needle that we wanted to push in our strategy? And this is, you know, there's always going to be too many ideas and a little bit, a little room for execution. And so in this year, a little room of execution, no matter the team size, you know, even the, the, the marketing teams of 50 people, they still have more ideas than they have room to execute. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, you have to prioritize, execute and go back to, uh, you know, key things that you want to do. And then it's just different goals, goals related to the revenue and goals related to the brand. You need both revenue. Obviously, it's a no brainer and branding because it's another, you know, I guess, defensibility, one of the strongest defensibilities, marketing team and the entire company really can can generate for a company. So besides a good product, you want to have a good brand because people will then develop this special bond you know a prime example of that is figma what figma did was was wonderful perfect execution with the community-led growth or i mean i don't want to talk about plumbers but i think we, we have we figured some things out really really well in a super competitive market but then you have you know the air tables of the world um that uh, that managed to do that so i think this is this is the way uh, and then it's just you know iterating and uh once you start growing and you start seeing results, then you start looking for, okay, we found our product market fit. We have uh, traction, we have the numbers. So how do we now scale? 
And the challenge with scaling is exactly what we discussed before the episode, okay? Bringing the right people at the right place who are able to scale a specific channel and then scaling it, right? Yeah, uh, we have a question, we'll, we'll answer it. Uh, right away, but what what you said reminded me, and I was googling because my brain is not working while you were talking to find out the answer, and because uh, like it reminded me of what Hannibal did back in the days against the Roman Empire. You know, it's exactly what we are talking about today. You know, he find a differentiator, he find different way if he can, which he can conquer the Rome. So he went, uh, you know. Uh, across the mountains, the bigger mountains at the time. He was fighting elephants in a different way that he couldn't do uh, before. Like, And he was choosing to fight the battles he can won. So, uh, yeah, Amir is always reminding me of an espresso. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like Amir. So, yeah. Uh, and it reminded me of those of those things, you know. Like, if uh, guys, if you want to read it, I guess it's it's the books the the book made of like two parts. Hannibal Anteportas uh, is the name. There are lots of books about Hannibal, but this one I like because it's a little bit of a, of a myths in it. It's not only like historic facts. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting. And what you said, like I won't repeat, guys. So come back to. Uh, a few minutes before and listen to everything that Vukashin just said. He just uh, gave you a script how to do things. Uh, and those are the things that we are talking about all the time. Like first you need to know to do the analysis. Do you know who you're going after, who you are communicating with, who are those people? Not only I would say jobs to be done, but also like interest outside of business because it's also people and it can help you actually differentiate those kind of stuff. I think helps differentiate. Uh, and also, like uh, what I what I want to uh, to mention is the part when you said like you need to grow a brand, and then you need to grow the revenue. And usually, when it comes to that part, like it's usually one marketer in the company, usually somebody who is director of marketing or VP or however do we call it, and it's the person who is like like this, like on a cross, like because yeah. like. Uh, Investors, if they are investors, then they uh, request you to grow the revenue. On the other hand, you know as a mar- as a marketeer that you need to grow a brand because like that revenue won't continue to grow if you don't have a steady growth in brand. And, and then like that's where lots of companies are, I think, making mistakes when they are you know maybe choosing the wrong thing at the time or not investing, you know, at least just one channel from one side and one channel from this side. Mm. So yeah, I, but- I want to get your perspective perspective on that. So what, which channels do you choose and where would you go from that perspective? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, it, it depends, like the, the blueprint that, that we talked about, it's, you know, something that's been around for, I think, even at the Hannibal time, I, I, I feel, you know, you're doing the research and everything, but you really need to do it. This involves like, spending a lot of time in front of a laptop, figuring it out, going back. Like it's not super, super exciting to do it. Like research. It's I know getting, getting into the dirt, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really like doing something, you know, Kobe Bryant has an amazing quote, like I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. Like is, if that is bringing a cup of water to a teammate, waving the towel at, or the, at the bench or shooting the winning three pointer, 
you know, there's a lot of things that needs to be done to win a, to win a ring. And it's the same in business, I feel. And the people who are able to push themselves because they have the ultimate motivation, I'm going to grow that revenue, I'm going to build that brand, are usually the people who end up doing it. But uh, to go back, I guess, to, to, to your um, uh, question, I feel you, you just have to start in tears. So, for instance, uh, from my practical standpoint, like from my own experience, I mean, uh, you know, Lamlist started with uh, a community. Figma that mm-hmm. we mentioned started with a community. And community can help you bring that revenue and build that brand. Like you can't and this, like, expect to build the brand in three months. Uh, or maybe even in the first year, especially if it's a super competitive space. At, least, at least two years levels. it takes if you are working on it. Yeah, so it, it has to be done in levels. And so, for instance, uh, the first thing, even before I joined Lamless, so Lamless was, was just out. And the first thing that, that the, uh, I guess, the three co-founders did was um, uh, Guillaume joined as a volunteer. They didn't have a lot of money back then. And so he joined as a volunteer at the Saster conference. And being a volunteer, you get a free ticket and you get nice. the list of all people who are coming. Just like a scrappy bootstrapper from the early days. And uh, so, and what he did is, okay, I have a list. Now I'm going to create a campaign. And because Lumlist was an outbound tool, I'm going to use all its differentiators. And nobody back then was doing personalized custom images. And uh, he, sent the, he sent that campaign to all the people who were there uh, to book meetings. And all those meetings were with prospective uh, like, uh, users later on, clients. And he booked, like I don't remember, some insane number, like 50, 60 meetings. And then he took that and created a, an article. And because Lamless blog was nothing back then, no, no traffic at all, he posted it on a publication connected with the conference so that he had, gets maximum exposure showcasing the campaign, showcasing the results. Uh, and they also started building a community. So everybody who was on Product Hunt, everybody who was in AppSumo, everybody who was an early, early user, they got uh, an invitation to join the community. Later down the road, I joined. And it's then that we said, okay, uh, we are just going to do two things. We have this community and we have content. And so community was mostly for streamlining product feedback, but also talking about outreach. Anybody who had a problem, they could talk about it, ask for advice, etc. And so it's the first branding move. How you answer those questions and how you do this on sport and in the community, it's the first level of brand. People know that, that you're their conciliary, that you're not going to give them a link to the FAQ, but you're going to help them, you know, boost that reply rate, figure out the problem, et cetera, et cetera. And because you don't have a lot of, you know, inquiries, and a lot of um, posts and questions coming in, you allocate a certain amount of time to build those relationships. Um, so that's, that, that's on the branding side. And so you're slowly starting to build a brand. On the revenue side, we know that uh, we have to obviously do some user acquisition experiments, position uh, our tool where we need to position it. But one thing that was super unclear back then was uh, when you Googled cold email templates or email templates, you, you tend to get HubSpot articles, and I'm not saying anything against HubSpot, but it was the same type of an article that you felt like a marketer is giving five to 10 templates that you feel like they never sent it. So it's like marketing Mm -hmm. that never did sales without any proof, without the metrics, and the templates were just too generic. And so the differentiation in terms of content was, okay, let's build templates. And we were using Lemlist to grow our business. So let's share all the templates that were working and that were not working. And right there you have the perfect growth model 
so using your own tool, which obviously for us, it was a bit easy because it was a sales tool, have a community, you get people in, even the people who are not users immediately, you get them into your infrastructure at the top and you have content, you're not creating tens and thousands of different silos, just templates. And you get templates ideas from your own, you know, uh, campaign and you and, and when people coming into the community you start opening the distribution channel like you have ways to distribute for free your stuff uh, and then later on as the community got bigger uh, people said hey like uh, we don't fear sharing our template because nobody's going to steal it really like it's there's there's too many components in it like there, there was this um, I guess uh, thinking that I don't want to share something because it's proprietary information but the users starting sharing it and so we said, okay, the way we're going to do case studies and testimonials is we're going to just out like showcase fully the user, like their campaign, why did it work, give some actionable advice and do a little bit of salesy stuff at the bottom. But the primary piece of the case study was not, hey, like Lamlist is awesome, but it was I'm using Lamlist to achieve this awesome result. And here's my template. And so another content style opens. And then in the third phase, I was like, okay, lead capturing. Let's create an ebook with Hall of Fame templates to capture more prospects, just with that template silo. And so what I'm trying to say is you can combine this with Figma. Like Figma also started building a community, connecting with the designers and building the product with them. And so this creates this bond. So whenever somebody in Lamless community was saying, hey, uh, there's like a competitor secretly entering a community and doing some shady work, users will come to us and tell like, hey, this guy or this girl is, is pitching us, selling us or whatever. And I feel this is one of the metrics that you can have to see that you're building relationships with people. Obviously, not everybody's going to like you. You're going to have to deal with some negative or constructive feedback from time to time. But uh um, this is the way you can do it in the early phases. So you, you, you measure stuff uh, realistically. So the goal has to be challenging so that it makes you like push and work, but it doesn't, it, it must not feel impossible. So we are not going to build like a huge brand in a year. It's not going to happen, but we can build 500 or a thousand true loyal members, uh, like loyal uh, people in the community. We can do that. And that, that, that will actually help you get to the brand part. Yeah. And that's how you play to win. Like when you have something that's challenging, but not impossible and you know, and if somebody says, Hey, let's do a YouTube blog, then you go back and you're like, okay, we have to allocate resources. And uh, does this push the needle of getting loyal people and users? It doesn't. Let's not do that. Yeah, like basically the, all the things that you said are part of the strategic narrative. And and I'm like uh, listening to you and like, because I already know how uh, little uh, um, amount of companies are actually, a small amount of companies are actually having the strategic narrative. Because like I'm doing that for companies and when I need to compare with competitors, like they don't have it. Uh, and, you know, Basically, you have like the bigger the bigger change that is happening, which is you know people feel more free to talk about the problems, and you gather them inside the community, so so they can actually talk with each other about the problems that they are having. It's what Figma did. Also, it's uh, in a way what Jasper did with AI for writing tool. Uh, the same thing. Then you go. The second step is always all way versus the new way, when you are actually showing them 
some things that are not working through the stats to specific points. The third part is always like the promised land. Where can we go if we if we work together, if we do something? And the number four is, I think, the one that you talk about the most. And I think most people forget about it because like it's where we start talking about the features, about how we are different. But also a part of that number four is creating uh, materials, things, stories for our customers that they can tell our stories even without us involved in it. And mm-hmm. it's where the things start blowing up. That's where we go. And of course, number five is yeah. the showcasing that you can actually do it. And there's somebody yeah. already there in the promised land. And uh, when you create a structure like that, it's actually easy to see, you know, what you need to do for each point. Are there some things that you already have? What are some things that you are missing? But somehow we get strictly into that, you know, like I'm just solving a problem. And yeah. that's okay, but that's not the big change. That's not the narrative. That's not differentiator. Yeah, it's like a balance of long-term and short-term things that you need to do. And to Amir's point, I just read one of the things he said. So I think mm-hmm. it's very difficult for marketing because people in leadership do not understand the purpose. And that's one of the one of the definite challenges of every manager. Like you have a boss and you're not working for engagement. You're working for revenue, which then can be reinvested to build engagement. So I feel uh, when you when you say, okay, you make a strategy, you feel like, okay, this is something that will bring short-term revenue increases. This is something that we need to do for brand. You agree on a strategy. I think it's key to document it somewhere. So these are the deliverables that we want to go from X to Y by when. And everything is defined. There's deliverable in Notion, Google Doc, whatever you use. Uh, and uh, you can always go back. So in a meeting, when somebody's saying, hey, we should do more, it's like, we should. Like, I would love to do a YouTube blog, but it's impossible to do it unless we bring somebody. But then you always go back to those deliverables, and this is what we agreed that we're going to do in this, um, um, in this quarter, in this year, it doesn't matter. And uh, this just doesn't help us. Like, you have to own marketing. You, you have to, like, you can, again, like, you can make a mistake. You can make a very wrong assumption. Deliverables can be changed if it's based on some valid arguments. Like it's a, it's 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 no problem. But I feel marketers, this is something that was an issue for me when I was younger. Like you have to own it. Like you can't make a Google slide and say, "Hey, we're gonna you know go on um, uh, TikTok just because it has millions and millions of users." No, you have to make a point that we're gonna go on TikTok because there's millions of our target audience and here are the examples and then you're owning it and it's the same with metrics like hey we did this uh, it was a 10 percent decrease like if you're my boss and you ask me about the decrease i'm not owning it i should be the one saying hey there's a 10 percent decrease here's what i'm planning to do about it or there's a 10 percent increase i've tried everything doesn't work i need help in both cases you're owning your work and then this builds trusts in your boss who's going to say hey you know i can trust this person like they are on top of things uh obviously you learn this as you go but uh um if i was talking to younger myself i think ownership is is key like you have to see the bigger picture and you just can't switch things like it, it will feel like playing basketball where the strategy is just shoot it and you're not going to win you're not going to win any any ring with that strategy you have to have a plan you have to have things in motion and you have to be combination of patience and ambition i guess love it love that 
also what I think uh, lots of people forget, especially now marketers that reading stuff on, on LinkedIn and what people are talking about, you know, if you come to the new company with a fresh perspective, you don't change things just, you know, today, today for tomorrow. It's, it's not happening. You need to just, you know, probably you need to prove that you understand things and that the ownership believes in you, in your vision and what you are bringing to the table. So sometimes it means proving to them that what they are doing is not working. Even that, and that's the first part, you know, as we talked about analysis, research, those kind of stuff. And what I see, like lots of company owners, CEOs, board members had a huge egos as we marketers do. So like there's a clash of, of those two and what we, and they wouldn't believe us if we use some facts that are, you know, from other companies, but we need mm -hmm. to show them on their own example. For example, like, I don't know, the thing that we are, that everybody's talking about, like lead generation versus demand generation, those kind of stuff. Like, okay, this is the cost per lead. And they're watching this and they say, ah, it's nice. It's like five euros. That's cool per MQL. But if you look at that, like we need somebody in content to create the content, somebody to do the advertising, salespeople to do the outreach. Uh, then we need budget for the advertising. So it, actually, it's not that cheap. You know, if you take all those things into consider, but they don't look at it because nobody has ever told them that it includes all those expenses, mm. you know, and sometimes it's, you know, going into the dirt, digging out things, checking out CRM, seeing, you know, uh, what are some things that you're seeing that maybe they are not seeing and then proving the point. And then you go and do exactly as, as you said, creating the, you know, the goals, the way you are going to reach them and sticking to that. Yeah, I, th I think like I, I was um, yeah, I think in you know on family Saint Patrons Day in Serbia and everything when I was a kid like uh, uh, I was heavily influenced by sports. Well, first and foremost, my dad has this insane high amount of loyalty inside of him, like that he's super super loyal. I mean, in work, like he's mm -hmm. he's never gonna pull one on you. And so he was like a major influence. And then watching football in the older days, at least you have. Zanetti, Maldini, Totti, like all playing for the same club. And I was always thinking like, is it possible? Because football is cool. Marketing mm -hmm. is not as cool as football. But when you, like I, I like what I'm planning to do is I'm, like I'm going to take every shirt of every company that I work with, frame it as a jersey. Because you, I think you have to develop a bit of a bond with that Delight. company logo. Uh, obviously, it depends on a lot of different factors. You have to have a, like, a good boss. There needs to be a good culture. But if the m most important things are in place, you have to develop some certain, you know, uh, love for that. Like you don't have to kiss it like, or, or anything crazy like that. But you have to, you know, when, when there's a problem, you have to be motivated. Hey, this is my house. Like I'm, I'm putting that fire down. Like, even if it's not in your job description. And as long as the culture is good and salaries are fair, uh, then this love can flourish further. And when some, you know, negative thing happens, I think you have to constructively approach it. Like it's, it should be two way feedback. Like I always tell my team, uh, I don't want yes on, on meetings. I, when I present something, you should hold me accountable. Like you should challenge me. Hey, it's not going to work. Here's what I think. Like I like those conversations. Me being a team leader, I'm just a coach. I'm not like one to tell this is a great idea or a bad idea. We together, we decide. And 
I want to hear, I want to have two-way feedback constructively. If you say something bad, like I'm going to, you know, get into your ass about that. But if you do it in a constructive way, uh, where we talk it through, where we try to break an idea, see why it wouldn't work. If we do a post-mortem afterwards and say, hey, I think we should double down on this because it depends that it's working or this is not working. Let's figure it out. Do we have to bring in a consultant if we can't figure it out on our own or whatever the case. But it's this, I guess, feeling of when you have good culture and a good contract uh, and it doesn't have to be anything insane that you're then allowed to, to um, uh, build this relationship with, uh, with the company. And you, when you find that type of an employee, even if it's not master of their skills, keep it. That's the real unicorn for me. Unicorn businesses, great ambition. Like I'd love to build a unicorn, but unicorn employees are my favorite type of unicorns. Love that. Love that unicorn <laughs> employees. That's great. <laughs> I, I like the analogy with, with football because like listening to you, I was like, okay, there's the story of every partisan uh, fan. Like, you know, my wife doesn't watch basketball anymore because she cannot stand it because it's always, no matter if you lead 20 points in basketball, like it's go, always going to yeah. go to one point on one side or the, or the other. And like then it's the stress and everything, but we are all going through the bad times and coming again to the games. That's what loves for the brand brings in. And like sports is a great analogy to that. I mean, um, I brought also the analogy from, uh, from the music world. As well, yeah. that's why I mean named the company Funky Marketing, and all like and, and what I see as as we are talking about differentiation about those things is uh, like when I ask people, uh, can you tell me if your company, if your brand comes through the door right away, how would it look like? You know, and not many companies or people can actually say describe the company. You know, if they come in, uh, I mean, this is the example I use a couple of days ago in Zagreb uh, in a presentation because, like, I started the presentation talking about uh, Marvin Gaye, okay. and, and it was, yeah, it was. Um, he was singing the national anthem uh, in a Colosseum forum uh, in Los Angeles on the All Star Game in 1983 when he was considered a total failure. He had problems with drugs, with public, with all the things. He didn't even answer the call three days before that. Like, he wasn't even the first choice. Uh, you know, the first choice was Mr. Hello, is it me you're looking for? But he, has yeah. only, he had only one song, so they didn't choose him. A and then, like, there were players in the center of the, of the, of the court. Like, Magic Johnson, Pat Riley was the coach, like, Patrick Ewing all those names from uh, from some will say the best decade of uh, of nba uh, but like he just minutes before we came, he came into the court the music starts and it was the music mm. that was more like let's get it on the national anthem and people were like yeah. did they uh, choose the wrong music maybe the wrong <laughs> melody so he just came he was wearing glasses with uh, with still the mark on and it was stamped backwards. He didn't know or he didn't care those that you buy at the entrance of the, yeah. of the Colosseum. And he just started to sing in a way that nobody actually has ever sang the national anthem. And, you know, the audience first was like, uh, you know, confused. Then they started clapping. Then they started cheering. Then they started screaming. The players as well. And he just finished 
left of of the court and like magic johnson from the from the bench was calling his friend that's there's an interview actually uh, saying that and he told him like that man just left us speechless i don't know what we should do on the court in the game to actually beat him you know yeah. beat what he did right now and, and uh i'm saying like that's the feeling i want the people have when they interact with funky marketing yeah 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 the, 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 there should be the, the, it's like there should be exactly that like we should have fun we should have uh conversations that you don't feel like uh, uh somebody is going to use against you uh you can open a beer without being labeled an alcoholic on a company event like those things that that earlier there were a bit different i guess yeah. at least yeah. what from what i've heard obviously you have to control yourself and uh, there's component to it not getting drunk in this particular example or not saying something to your colleague that's just mean and rude but uh i feel culture is one of the most important things and on the flip side like feeling challenged like it shouldn't be easy but you mm-hmm. shouldn't go to a meeting with your boss feeling fear you should yeah. feel like uh disappointment not disappointment but maybe motivation in yourself when something is not working you know that your eyes are showing that you you want to get it like you just have to figure it out like yeah. you want that instead of fear like i'm not a fan of you know i'm a huge fan of kobe but some of the leadership ways of like i don't believe in in yelling i don't believe i believe in you know serious faces and uh, the sometimes a uh, tough wake up call but it's never it's never personal i guess it should be fun like no fear whatsoever uh just uh just you know motivation i guess yeah yeah totally agree totally agree this was awesome uh so tell me now you are just going into the new role so vp of marketing uh tell us a little bit about it how is it different from what you were doing before what's the start look like and how do you see it overall i think that's uh we have like 10 15 minutes to give people a perspective of what does it happen when you get into the role which is vp of marketing yeah yeah i mean so i i think moving to the hr industry is something that i always wanted and it's no like a fairy tale i went through 15 ish interviews before i got my first job and uh, i remember meeting only two hrs that were great and awesome and a lot of hrs who were just mediocre i feel like they were on a level of a high school person working in a restaurant or a coffee place and then mm-hmm. just not ready for that job and i feel but besides a cfo somebody who's leading people and culture is the next most important role that you can have but to go back to the point i feel hr industry was something uh, that i really wanted to get in and um, i i feel you know puzzle kind of connected and the switch was the exactly the challenge that that i was looking for uh so moving into the new company i feel you know there's this uh, narrative of you don't you like you're going to inherit a couple of things uh are you going to be changing stuff or not i feel you know it starts by connecting with everybody in the team uh and asking questions that will help you reveal certain things that you need to know so what's the vision what's the mission what's the roadmap what are we going to do where are we at what's working what's not every report like i'm a bookworm for these things instead we're just looking through things how can marketing help support how can marketing help sales how can marketing help you 
what are the some career ambitions of the current team members how do they see themselves what were the current problems uh, what do you feel like needs to be solved what would you do if you were me i like that question and if brie from lamlist is listening to this podcast i know she she uh, she laughs like crazy when i ask her if you were head of growth like what would you do but um uh connecting the dots you know i feel one of the first things that i've been doing in the past three weeks since i started is connecting the dots and then shaping the strategy the cool thing about skillful communications companies that uh, they have b2c and b2b products uh they are another bootstrap profitable company uh so i'm just looking to okay with the b2c stuff that's already been out there for a few years uh what can we do next like how do we scale more and for b2b that's only uh at the beginning relatively speaking uh it's a different thing so now we have to penetrate the market we have to do some positioning we have to uh tweak a thing or two there's smb aspect there's an enterprise aspect the marketing is a bit different lamlist was primarily focused on on smbs mm-hmm. uh, i mean we did have a lot of like a couple of enterprises but it, it it's it's different here because some customer verticals are strictly enterprise and this means outbound longer sales cycles it's a different beast of its own so i feel you know connecting the dots getting all the information putting the right routines in place understanding the strategy uh understanding what we discussed like uh what battles we need to you know fight that will win the war how we're going to measure and setting some goals uh building the team i'm now adding a few missing members to the team if you know any good social media uh manager/marketer this is one role that's uh, been a bit uh, tough to find i have other folks in the pipeline but uh, social media for some reason it's been a bit tricky uh and um and yeah like after that it's just execution and accountability like okay now we start working and uh, we have company growth that we need to track and we need we have personal growth of everybody in the team let's have them you know increase they can have a little bit of waves but ultimately we want to have steady growth we don't need to have explosive growth we don't have to have limited we just have to have this nice yeah. steady growth that's profitable and uh we're doing the right things and uh that's what i'm trying to do i feel hr industry i have so much motivation for it that uh, i'm trying to be patient but i'm super excited to see <laughs> what we're going to do what we're made of what i'm made of uh, in this industry and uh, see what happens love it new challenges yeah i'm i'm working with a I think with three startups right now from the hr industry i worked with a few before and i know how is the industry is changing and so many things are right now you know the the old scripts are being erased the new ones are being written and it's a nice place to work and to actually grow yourself because by doing those things by setting up the new norms the new standards and those things and yeah. uh I like the motivation like you seem very motivated to dive into the things and really change something. Yeah, yeah, and I th- I feel you know connecting with my boss now Alex I feel he's also we're similar in a lot of things and I think this was one of the important reasons when we were you know thinking when I was thinking about switching like to have people who understand that like uh we want growth in revenue and brand we want to invest in that and if we agree on the mission then that that's wonderful and i feel you know motivation it's something internal and something external external in a sense what kind of culture you're you're going into and internal 
how do you feel about the industry? How, how do you feel about the audience? You know, there are some people, myself included, that are not passionate about certain industries. Like I can't mm-hmm. imagine myself, even though I, I applied to Philip Morris when I was a kid because I heard great things about Philip Morris as a company and, and their culture. But thinking me selling cigarettes, never say never because again, like I have utmost respect because I know a few people that work there, but it's tough to imagine me being passionate about selling something because I fought with my dad for 15 years for him to quit smoking. So yeah. it would be... I'm, I'm it, similar. Yeah, there's, there's the same story. <laughs> you know, or working for, you know, Juventus marketing team because I'm a huge Inter fan. Like there, and I'm just giving like plastic examples, but you can't be, you have to be a bit passionate, maybe not at the beginning, but you have to develop certain passion towards that, that audience to, I, at least in my opinion, uh, to, uh, to have fun at work. And having fun is also important. Like... Yeah, I think it's like extremely it. important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what gets the, the top results. Yeah, you know, you get excited. Like, he, he, even like if, if you and I were to work together and, you know, if uh, one of us is crazy enough to call the other at 2 a.m. because they have some specific super cool thing to say, like I'm probably going to, or you are probably going to curse in the first 20 seconds. But then if it's a great idea, we're just going to be passionately speaking about it. I'm not saying you have to have this habit of working 24-7, yeah. but again, an example to show that if you're having fun, I think it comes back to that, that you really enjoy talking about it. It doesn't feel like work, even though you're getting a salary. Yeah, love that. Um, Amir says great takeaways. Thanks, man. Uh, but uh, did we miss something? Is there something that we didn't say that you feel like you want to say for everybody listening? Uh, and yeah, I mean, like we mentioned, uh, we mentioned, um, takes me back to the, one of my LinkedIn posts from last week. I feel you, the question you asked early on, like building a brand and growing revenue, like there's many ways to do it. I feel the marketing, the beauty of marketing is what works for me won't work for, might not work for you. It depends. And there's different flavors of every channel. Grammarly, the post I mentioned for me, it's phenomenal. Like this is one of yeah. the best ever growth studies. The way they approach the SEO and content, and that's the only company that pop-up is working like crazy that I know of. Uh, and so I feel there's so many ways to do it. And uh, I think, you know, having uh, motivation and fun while figuring out what works. And then once you see that, then you're like, okay, great. What do we do next? Like, who, what do we, where, where do we find additional you know, a couple of uh, things to grow. And uh, that maybe, you know, what I'm trying to say is there's plenty of ways to do it. I feel this is the beauty of marketing and you can't apply the same strategy. I mean, obviously you're going to use content marketing. Obviously you're going to use branding, but uh, uh, the way you're going to do it and approach it is always different. And again, what what might work for me might not work for you. And that's I, I find that really beautiful about marketing in general. Yeah, I, I, I was listening to an episode i think from millionaire's mindset or something like that mm-hmm. talk with uh, with one of the guys from grammarly uh and I'll, I'll i'll try to attach it to find it and attach it to the description of the of the podcast because i think it will be useful for the people to actually listen to it because it's like you know it's, the conversation starts like it's it's a boring industry you never you never expect somebody to do the things that grammarly did in that space yeah, but everything they did, like from the freemium model to the fact that somebody or a couple of people in the team understood that 
everybody and I, I know that you and I are like sometimes wondering whether this is written with one letter or two letters and so they understood the intent right at the Google and then they just created unlimited amounts of content uh, so effect and effect you know how do you spell it and then if you put this as a query you will see Grammarly probably in top three results you go to the article and they offer you freemium uh, um, like a model with and the pop-up is personalized they mm -hmm. tell you never make a mistake with effect and effect again, you know, and sign up for free, add it as a Chrome extension, and then the fight to move you to uh, premium starts afterwards. And if you're an existing user, which is another insane amount of respect that I have for, for that team, is if you're an existing user, with you have that extension on, they won't show you the pop-up. They mm -hmm. won't, you know, go through that stuff. So somebody that's really, really approaching marketing with care and uh, understands what the intent is, understands their audience, and they just execute like crazy. And that's great. Like you have Burger King, that's fun to every, for everybody. But Grammarly to me is, uh, is a hall of fame. Like if there's ever a growth marketing uh, like module at universities and you have examples, if, if there's no Grammarly in that book, like I will be this really disappointed. <laughs> Love that man. Thanks for the for the great examples. Thanks for sharing what you guys did at uh, at Lamlist. Thanks for sharing what you are about to do with uh, with the new company. And uh, like what I want to say to the to everybody listening, like go back to the beginning of the episode. Make sure that you listen again to all those stuff. Make sure that you have pause ready to you know to stop and go back to some things. To, to listen again. Uh, also, make sure to follow uh, Hook on, uh, on social media. I guess LinkedIn is the, the best way to go, but he's also on other social media channels. Until I develop my TikTok, which I really need to do. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting because I was, I was talking uh, with, with Sara Milosevic. I don't know like yeah. people, if yeah. people know her, but uh, she's like, a marketer working in uh, in Nordeus, a gaming company, and she, she has developed the TikTok account. I, I call her to the podcast, and I think yeah. she's the first one that says no because her TikTok is in Serbian, the podcast is in English. Uh, mm -hmm. But really, get there. I mean, uh, I just want somebody that is, you know, developing his TikTok to give me a perspective of how would they develop the company TikTok. Because I'm seeing lots of good examples. There are now great examples. Uh, I love also what uh, what recently Fine Labs is doing with kind of like mm. um, news reporting uh, view, like uh, you know, uh, have you heard or how would you do this or answering questions with a microphone, like using the offline gatherings to create videos, those kind of stuff. That's also good, like then showcasing the the team, the culture, those kind of things. Uh, but you know, one thing that I know is you need to find the inspiration and good practices outside of your industry, outside of your channel, and then implement them because that's where yeah. the innovation comes from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, uh, I think, uh, I I'll try to connect you with uh, one or two people who are doing some fun stuff, uh, with TikTok and, and marketing, uh, in marketing. And yeah, shout out to Sara. I think she's uh, she's really doing some some really really cool stuff on on TikTok and uh, in general her Nordo story. I mean, I know her personally, and uh, it's it's amazing. Like, 
our I think our region of the world needs more people like that uh, yeah. hustling in it. And uh, thanks for the invite. Like uh, I'm I'm really happy to join. Uh, honestly, like your your podcast. I think you're one of the guys fighting the good battle and uh, uh, from this part of the world. And it was uh, super dope to discuss with you. And I hope. Uh, um, everybody who was listening, we brought them some value. They wasn't in vain, and uh, I guess a big, uh, big uh, hug for everybody. Yeah, we'll do it again. I can't wait to you know to invite you again and to share what you what you are cooking over there. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that. Okay, guys. Uh, as always, keeping funky, and uh, you know, regards from me and Vuk. <laughs>